Hello, and welcome once again to This Week in the Ancient Near East, the podcast that takes archaeology exactly as seriously as it deserves. I'm Alex Jaffe, director of the Bob and Ray Institute of Archaeology at the University of Southern North Dakota at Hoople. With me, as always, are two academics from real institutions, Professor J.P. Dessel of the University of Tennessee and Professor Rachel Hallett of the State University of New York at Purchase. We're speaking to you from the hookah bar at the Harry Anslinger Institute for Alkaloid Studies here on the beautiful Hoople campus. Today we're talking about new research which demonstrates, as long suspected, that during the second millennium BCE, opium was contained in so-called base ringware jars from Cyprus that were shaped like, well, upside-down opium poppies. There's a clue. What was opium being used for in the late Bronze Age? Was it medicinal or recreational? And how do we tell the difference? Why was this expensive commodity being buried with the dead? Were late Bronze Age funerals a lot more chill than we previously thought? And if Cyprus was the source of opium, why didn't late Bronze Age texts talk about it, the way they did about, say, copper? Perhaps some things had to stay on the down low. Okay, so I'm going to reiterate my, my offer to <clears throat> either of my esteemed co-hosts to, to, uh, to offer up a lightning round now or, or in the future. <laughs> I mean, to the extent that this has to sure there is a future. Right. So, um, okay, but in the, in the meantime, I'll, I'll, I, have a, I have a lightning round. <clears throat> what is the most physically painful experience? that you've had physically painful experience. And what did you do for it? <laughs> physically painful. Well, I got mine. I got mine. <laughs> okay. Go for it. As the only female here, first of all, I win because childbirth. It's just a, an exhibition. It's not a competition. Please. No yeah. wagering. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> That's because, an old Letterman line. So. Right, because we were in um, a somewhat rural area, um, there were no... The rural juror. <laughs> were you in a log there, cabin? They, the hospital we were at did not do epidurals, and um, they gave... No, yeah. And they gave, That's not rural, because most rural hospitals would fill you up with, with opiates. No. <laughs> well, right. So what they gave me, what they gave me was an injection of fentanyl. <laughs> you were way ahead of the curve i know right wow. and this is like way ahead. 20 26 plus whatever years ago um oh my god so, yeah um so i again i, I win i don't think i'm gonna even deign to you know mention anything and there's no way i could top that in any way shape or form <laughs> well no you have to you have to answer yeah. the round. it's just an oh, exhibition yeah. round <laughs> I dislocated my toe, my large toe, and I went to the emergency room, and the doctor, this was in high school, and the doctor looked at me and he said, I can, I can give you a painkiller, 
but the pain of putting a needle into that toe oh. would be extraordinary. Or I can just pull it and, and that pain will be extraordinary. I said, just pull it. He said, hang on. <laughs> I have never experienced the degree of pain of that doctor yanking on my great toe. Oh, man. That was painful. But there was no medication involved. No, because, because, because he yanked. to jab a needle into this big, throbbing, great toe <laughs> would have precipitated a similar oh, level man. of pain. Alex, <laughs> you're on. You're up. <laughs> um i was i was riding bikes with uh with a friend of mine in elementary school and i was on his sister's bike and i crashed it into a parked car (laughs) (laughs) and i broke my i broke my right hand oh my god oh jeez and uh, you know just i chipped one of those little mystery bones in in the right hand and for some reason, we didn't go to the hospital until the next day. Of course. <laughs> of course. And I just have this vague recollection of a, of a horrible, horrible throb that uh, went on endlessly. And then, you know, obviously the ridiculousness of the 1960s or 70s hard cast that went up to my neck or something. I don't know. Right. But everybody got to sign it. Yeah. 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 And then the. Anyway, it gets, gets really nasty from there. <laughs> this has taken us down a really, really weird path. It's, it's, it's dark. Up. I remember when somebody broke her toe, uh, kick, kicking something, and the date, <laughs> December 10th, 2001. September, uh, September 10th. September 10th, 2001. Right, because nobody and, really cared. <laughs> And shortly thereafter, nobody really cared. Uh-huh. Yeah, time so, everything. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so this brings us around to um, to our our topic du jour. Better bring us around to somewhere, which yeah. is which is opium, and <laughs> and we doff our our chapeaus yet again to the science boffins. Yes, out there in their labs, um, <laughs> analyzing. Analyzing sherds for for alkaloids that show that indeed in the 14th century the base ringware <clears throat> from Cyprus did indeed contain opium. Well, I think I think that there's the caveat, and we probably need a little bit more backstory. But the caveat is some base ring jugs so. and tablets contained right. opium, <laughs> but maybe not all. <laughs> but should we go back in time a little bit? To- yeah, every I wake up every morning with, with that fervent wish of going back in time. I know. How would you like to go back? In That's time? a long. Well, the year was 1962, and a and a brilliant young Australian graduate student named Robert Merrilies had this fantastic insight that he published that base ringware, the Cypriot pottery um, of the late Bronze Age, if which has a kind of globular body and a long neck if you turned it upside down lo and behold it kind of looked like an opium poppy and the decoration sometimes looked like the scoring on the opium sure, poppy. Yeah. and it man what a what an insight amazing. Yeah. yeah yeah and that was a little ahead of the ahead of the uh you know summer of 67 curve so that's right and yeah. also it was in england which was you know 
in the 60s was probably like the United States in the, you know, 30s or, well, maybe. What, in the 60s? <laughs> they were, you should read, read like uh, the. 62. We're talking 1962. That's really you, very early. Read how much dope um, people like Pete Townsend were smoking. Starting Not 1962. Oh, yeah. No, well, then he was on the high end of the curve then. We'll put, a, we'll put our best people on this, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. They wouldn't um, have been able to match their suits if they were <laughs> that much dope because the attention to detail of those early 60s. The bands, mods. Yeah. Well, they were very, they were very twee. The, the stones, well, they all looked like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all, right, all, whatever, that's all Brian Epstein. <laughs> <laughs> but we digress. <laughs> yeah, we, we really do digress. We apologize. It's not like us. We apologize. So Marilys came up with this idea that that these <clears throat> Cypriot vessels, this space ring where um, you turn it upside down, it looks exactly like an opium poppy. And it, it's it it's if you could see the pictures, the resemblance <laughs> is uncanny. And Going not only that, but it's at a at a time when we get textual references to these kinds of opium or what we interpret as opium uh, kinds of medicinal uh, uses in New Kingdom texts. Right, right. So, so, so that was sort of the going wisdom for a very long time. Untested. Untested. Because we didn't have the technology. Right, right. But then... Um, starting what 10 years ago i don't know well, it's actually interesting because there were attempts at residue analysis beginning in the 80s 80s yeah yeah and um and they were all treated as being methodologically unsound so all right. of the results from like the 80s and even the 90s have sort of been um, oh. Yeah. Sort of what? No. No, no. Or nil. Right. <laughs> Depending on what side of the pond you are. Right. Uh, exactly. And so they've been discounted. And uh, we've been sort of sitting, you know, <laughs> with not really knowing which way to turn. Um, right. But then there were a couple of articles in the early 2000s. One is actually 2015. The other, I didn't write down the date uh, that did residue analysis and came up with the conclusion that there's no proof that there was opium in these vessels. And, and in fact, that there was um, the suggestion that they were used for aromatic oils. Right. <clears throat> and but now, know. now the boffins have taken um, 22 vessels from pit graves at Tel Yehud, west of Tel Aviv. West of the Aroma Cafe on, on Route 6. <laughs> oh, yeah, basically it's east of, west of Route 6, east of, just north of the airport. Yeah. Um, and, and in eight out of these 22, there are um, alkaloids of, of morphine, morphine byproducts, morphinin, and, <laughs> and similar kinds of things. Right. And also a little <clears throat> vanilla in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so right. all of a sudden, this whole vanilla conundrum is is really unpacking quite nicely. There seems to be vanilla additives to everything. That's true. Well, why wouldn't there be, really? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so there's mor morphinin and opiatic, no, opianic acid, as well as other things. We can just call it opium, can't we? I think we can. We can do whatever we want. Well, right. right. 
finally, so finally we have, we have proof that at least in some of these vessels, and, and I looked it up, um, apparently um, poppies, uh, papaviter som somniferium, were domesticated in the central and western Mediterranean sometime around uh, the, the sixth millennium. Mm -hmm. BCE and then spread spread their druggy tendrils <laughs> all over the rest of the Mediterranean and and also uh, obviously into Europe and contrary to what people might think it's not a flower it's an annual herb right so right it's a weed <laughs> really right so you home gardeners <laughs> yeah. have at it yeah right let's know how it turns out so so let's get back to the let's get back to the uh, the the data a little bit. So these twenty two vessels are found in a um, in a in burial pits from the late Bronze Age two A, yeah. and they are found in four different burials. Right, uh, as if to suggest that this is something of, and of course the numbers are not really statistically all that you know, meaningful, but to suggest that it's a somewhat common practice. Right. It's a thing. It's a <laughs> Oh boy. Ooh, you got your T shades on and everything. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a thing as they say down here. Um, and so uh, these vessels contain some kind of opium like product. Uh, the question of course is if they're being found in the burials, it's a little too late. Yeah, <laughs> right. And the, that's, horse is, the horse is out of the, out of the barn. As right, right. So and I think uh, that's one of the most interesting things that was mentioned somewhere, but didn't really get taken up. And right. yeah. we're burying dad with his barn, <laughs> <laughs> or we're having some kind of burial, or you know, and 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 Rachel, you you know all about this and can uh, you know. <laughs> Wax. Which aspect do I know all about? <laughs> Prophetically, they're having some kind of festivity at the burial site and partaking, perhaps. Right. Taking right. the edge off. Instead they're of Slivovitz, they're just... Passing the pipe. Right. <laughs> exactly. They're passing the duchy to the left-hand side, as the, <laughs> as the song once went. Um, yeah, so, but now well, let's, let's review for our, our listener that opium is traditionally used as a uh, sleep aid um, to create uh, euphoria and, um, and as an hallucinogen. Okay. But let's. And as an, an and as an analgesic and medical right. kind I of mean, all purpose thing. Yeah. You can't say it's a sleep aid and then to produce euphoria because those are two sort of antithetical well, uh, no, you, results. That's one toke over the line. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll just point out to you that, um, you know, in Greek, the Greek deity, um, one of the Greek deities associated with opium use is is Morpheus, which means dream. So, right. Yeah. I think that and this is always a problem with the with science and the boffins, as you like to call them, <laughs> is that we have the science clearly saying that we have opiate opium, but how and what it's being used for, we have no idea. So they, no idea, yeah. they all, all of these, all of the analysis, all of the conclusions say ritual, um, uh, medicine, and medical, and cultic. Right. And it's like, and, yeah. And in, and in Egypt, there's all these medical texts. Right. So if you have a wound, 
you put more morphine on it. Right. If you have cancer, you put morphine on it. It seems to have been kind of an all-purpose. Right. And well, that's, be- that's, that's why you started the lightning round the way you did. Um, right. And in, in, in the earliest mention in, in, uh, in Mesopotamia from right. 3000 so, BCE, it's called gil, which means happiness. Right, right. So they understood that it was not just medicinal. They yeah, exactly. It's like everything. It was like, if it, if it helps out, use it. Right. Right. You know, for whatever kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is, I, I, we don't know specifically what it was used for. We don't know specifically. And also, unlike modern society, we there's no impression that they saw any dangers in using it. Well, right. And of course, danger is a very, very um, subjective kind of category because policies and, you know, thoughts on drug use are always changing. Well, that's true. That's true. So, you know. Right. But it's never it's never discussed as a kind of um, toxic substance or, or something that creates ritual pollution in any way. <laughs> it was, um, they're they're proto-sacklers. I guess. I mean, well, but that this this leads to my question is, okay, so we have we have eight pots out of twenty two. That's fine. We have lots of jewelry that has in especially in in Egypt that seems to depict opium of poppies or flowers. There's sculpture from the Greek world. There's the famous Minoan woman with the headdress with the opium right. poppies right it's all over greek uh greek mythology how stoned were they right and, and that's my big question about the past is just how how wasted and out of it were people in the past Do you, are you saying that because you would like to think of them as extremely <laughs> wasted or i i don't i don't i don't like to i don't like to think of them at all but i get paid to think of them (laughs) because one of the questions wait wait wait, i don't get paid hold it you're getting paid (laughs) yeah wait a second you don't get paid yeah i know um Um, wait a minute one of one of the questions that this article as well as other articles have raised is it was it in a diluted form in in these and it seems to so of these eight vessels the higher concentrations, the highest concentrations um, were in the actual base ring jugs. And then uh, the second highest were in the dipper juglets, the things that you dip into, although you can't fit that through the narrow neck of a base ring. Yeah, uh, Let's not get into the whole dipper juglet thing, because that's another. Oh, that's interesting, though. Uh, yeah, it's inter- well, it's mildly interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. And the last one. <laughs> <laughs> pottery typology <laughs> and the, then the crossing the borders of cognitive reasoning in the 21st century right yes um i've always liked different chocolates but anyway the least the least um the lowest concentrations were in the store jars so yeah, is it, and isn't that a good thing because otherwise i think alex would be quite correct that they're all <laughs> stoned out of their minds okay. they're routinely having high concentrations their store jars filled with high concentration of- <laughs> Right, right. No, all that's all that's true. But that's something interesting to think about in terms of, and then there's also the question of so dilution and also reuse. Maybe they were once contain containers for opium, but then they were later on reused well, for something else. We can also think about distribution, and we can think about the fact that this stuff is coming in from Cyprus in a very very small, <clears throat> high concentrations, yeah. and then they're cutting it like all good drug dealers. They have to cut it. 
Right. And so they're cutting it in store jars and then they're repackaging in dipper jugglets. And by the time it gets to tell Yehud, you know, who knows? Maybe right. it's really being used to, to you know, to deaden, you know, dental pain. Right, right, right. right. Well, that's possible. To getting really, um, you know, completely um, stoned. Right. <laughs> so I don't know if the words completely and stoned actually work together. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I, and I should... <laughs> Alex, I just want to tell our, our listener, Alex just gave a very, very deep and thoughtful look <laughs> at that ridiculous statement. <laughs> well, I, I think dental, dental, I'm against dental pain. Okay. <laughs> I just want to make, want to make that clear to our listener out there. <laughs> um, very good. Um I, I didn't look up enough the context of Tell You Hoots. This is from a cemetery. This was also from a salvage excavation. So, um, but I'm kind of assuming, I'm not sure why, that this is a small site, right? And it's- Oh, it's, smallish. Yeah, yeah. I've actually spent a lot of time in, in the <laughs> municipality of Yehud. <laughs> 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 specifically in Nivea Monison, which I believe is right near right next door. Yeah. Yeah. Um anybody using opium there? Not not in my not in my context there. <laughs> uh, I want to bring this around to the um the alternative view, which uh comes from an article uh generated by the excavators at, at Tolbe Chemish. Right. Uh, who had several um base ring vessels found in their late Bronze Age palace. Uh, and they did a small and somewhat uncontrolled study of both those vessels as well as a bunch of vessels found in uh, collections, the right. Chesnola collection at uh, the Harvard Semitic Museum and a collection of Cypriot pottery from the University of Albany. Um, and they came to the conclusion that there wasn't any opium, uh, but rather in the best of the uh, of their examples, uh, the ones that were actually found in excavation of Beit Shemesh, they were aromatic oils, right? Um, and so that I think can it's not the greatest sample size in any way, shape, or form, but it does sort of lead to this conclusion of a sort of a more reasoned con con conclusion that you know, base ring jugs and juglets were being used for a wide variety of specialized products or, you know, expensive yeah. kinds of, of uh, products. Right. And that right. it wasn't just reserved for opium, but that it was used for a number of things. But then I also want to bring up one other thing about this. Um, and again, the Beit Shemesh study included a lot of uh, uh, vessels from collections so that they weren't really, they weren't really the best choice. But um when I looked to try to figure out what kinds of aromatic oils they were talking about, they mentioned mint, they mentioned a bunch of sort of, you know, indistinct oils, mm -hmm. but then they, all, they also mentioned something that comes from abyssinth and wormwood. Oh. And of course, mm -hmm. you know, there's this tradition that, you know, abyssinth slash wormwood has, you know, psychotropic characteristics to it. And then there's also this pushback against the fact that wormwood you know, doesn't have any psychoactive elements in it. But um, I was just thinking, you know, if there, if some of these aromatic oils include absinthe or some kind of absinthe like substance, then yeah, that's another, you know, psychoactive substance. That's so, maybe, so maybe they are all being, maybe all of these, you know, base ring 
uh, vessels are being used for uh, drugs of one sort or another. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember being really irritated when <laughs> that article came out from, about the Shemesh stuff because I, you know, I first read the, the Merrilee's article back in graduate school. And I was back in 1962 when it came out. Right. Yeah, well, I couldn't have read it then, but uh, yeah. yeah. I think you might, might, might well have read it then. <laughs> I think we all read it then. Sitting around the table, a nice fire in the background, drinking <laughs> drinking absinthe. Well, okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. But then it is beyond my my current memory. Um, <laughs> but but uh, Memory but I, is lodged in the collective unconscious. That's oh, how good. we access Ooh, it. Good. Okay, in that case, I definitely read it in 1962. Right. <laughs> But uh, but I was completely convinced by the this shape argument. And then Marilise's other point is uh, sort of a truth in packaging. Uh, you're dealing with society that's largely illiterate. So how do you know what's in a package? You can't just write a label. But if you make the, the container look like its contents, uh, that helps everybody to know, oh, there's there's a product of the poppy in this container. Advertising. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that was a fairly brilliant thing to say. And that's why when I read these rebuttals in like 2015, the Beit Shemesh stuff, I was very disappointed. Okay. I was willing to trust the science, but I was very disappointed. And now I kind of feel like Marilise is being vindicated. Um, and I also want to just, along with this, say that, that like, why does scholarship, and this is my pet peeve about scholarship, <laughs> or one of my oh, pet peeves. I think you could just put a Period. There. Why does scholarship? <laughs> period. I could. I should probably. But why do we always feel like we have to um, sort of know better than our predecessors? You know, Marilise was brilliant, fine, but let's do better than him. Let's let's prove him wrong. And sometimes, you know, a smoking well, gun is just a you're, smoking you're gun. offending the entire Western tradition of of scholarship. There. Well, I'm yeah, I'm just defending the older scholars. Maybe this has to do with my history of the discipline direction of research, but I'm defending the older scholars. They actually, older scholars in the 1960s, even that old, actually knew what they were talking about. So why are we trying to, you know, oh. make light of their theories? Uh, why do we always feel like we have to know better because science is better because everything must be? Well, I, I think the larger question is that the, the, the Western academic tradition, the global academic tradition is founded on slaying your, <clears throat> your um, teachers and climbing on top of their bodies <laughs> to get ahead. Well said. Um, all right. All right. But, you know, that said, there is a kind of um, iterative recursive element to this that uh, in the 1960s, the scientific methods weren't there. Right. <clears throat> when the scientific methods became available, exactly, they weren't, you know, it, did, it didn't seem to support it. Um, but the scientific methods themselves weren't all that terrific. Yeah. And, but now that the scientific methods are basically, you know, subatomic in, in nature or precision, yeah, it looks like uh, it's old Bob Merrilies was probably pretty close on. Yeah. But we also, you know, our, our thinking has been expanded very usefully by um, things like, you know, this particular Beit Shemesh study, which seemed to have <laughs> peeved you so. <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> yeah, I don't think but, there's... But there's also, you know... Fancy pots get reused. Right. Um, 
um, I have no problem with different chemical signals, you know, are, are piled on top of one another over, over time. There are all sorts of complex, um, you know, there's super duper complex chemistry of, of how these things break down in the natural environment that really people are only beginning to get a handle on in the archaeological context, because now we can analyze, you know, literally at the molecular level. So, you know, I think, I think we'll cut, um, <laughs> we'll cut the 2015 study a little bit of slack and and their alternate explanations for some of their findings All right. but it's also just like uh tripartite buildings oh uh, god don't start you know, you know it's a caravanserai it's a storeroom it's a stable it's all it's nothing there everything is being used for different things i don't think they're so specific okay. and the fact is is like you know they have some aromatic oils and they need to put it in something and there's like 18 you know base ring two uh, base ring one juglets just right. sitting there right it's like oh put them in that right because we smoked all the we smoked all the opium that was in those juglets yeah. just put them in I'm there fine with that. i'm fine with the secondary use i'm i'm fine with putting your aromatics it's a really cool looking container you don't want to just throw it away yeah. right and and, and we should also point out that there are local southern levantine imitations of base ring wear so the mm. the shape itself meant something it said something yeah may not have said specifically uh, you know look in here for some dope but it was certainly okay this is fancy right yeah, it's nice right. it's it's a nice it's a nice shape yeah so there are two things that well the, the main thing we haven't touched on i think is trade like was cyprus known for uh, not just for copper but was cyprus known for for exporting of opium um well that's had... actually an interesting question because if it was you would have expected some kind of mention of that very specific information in the amarna tablets or something mm -hmm. right um or or in any of these right so that's a really send good us question. more dope man yeah <laughs> screw, yeah, really. screw this I, copper stuff I, I also want to mention that what we've gotten yet another spelling for alasha in oh, this yeah? recent article a-l-i-c-i-a Right. And, um, I don't know why we. Why Isn't that Alicia? Yeah, I, I, I was don't know. The, the girl's name, Alicia, when I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Why is there always this impulse to slightly change the orthography? If that's even the right word <laughs> of these of these transliterated um, names? But we need a big international conference to yeah. hash this out once and for all. That's also yeah, a good but, question. But that's neither here nor there. That's just my own little. No, I'm glad you brought it up because I did notice the spelling as well. Wait, what is up with that? I, I mean, honestly, did we need that? In, did any of us need that in our lives? It's just more complications. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but but in the meantime, you're right, Alex, about the imitation um, Cypriot wear in the Levant. But again, it is imitation wear, meaning that the real thing everybody understood came from Cyprus. Well, every, like, everybody. Trying, who's everybody? Or if, they're trying to scam the public and they're saying, right. yeah, yeah, buy this. Right. It's, it's like, the same. Right. It's the same stuff. You know, in this. if, if you're, Have those if you're a, a yokel, yeah. how much, who's only seen one real pot from a distance, maybe, obviously you're going to buy the, buy the scam. Right. If you're some kind of, you know, urban sophisticate from, from a, a port city, you're not going to you're not going to be buying this nonsense um 
I think so, you can. I think you can imagine all sorts of different scenarios about how and why. But maybe <clears> it's, <throat> maybe it's not the pot. Maybe it's the contents. Like you think you're buying, you know, some kind of opium laced liquid in the local, and you're not. Right. Because you are some yokel. Right. So it's right. not necessarily the pot. It might be the contents. That it's just it's I oregano mean, oil. Somebody right. needs exactly. to do. <laughs> somebody needs to do an analysis of the residue in the local wares, which I don't think people have done because everybody wants to first of all figure out if indeed there was opium in the real. I stuff. hereby pass a resolution that analyses <laughs> of local <clears throat> base ring imitations will commence immediately. Absolutely. Um, so okay, um, but. Okay, but another thing having to do with trade is if we know that opium, uh, that poppies were easily grown throughout the region, so why is Cyprus kind of leading the way in this? So this is one question. Marketing. Marketing. They're very good at marketing. Okay. Canaanites are not. But Well, that's certainly true. But why aren't, <clears throat> why isn't anybody really mentioning this in, in texts as opposed to copper? Right, right, right. <clears throat> That's that's a little bit of a puzzling it's, it's <clears throat> lacuna. Like, yeah, well, maybe it's maybe it's still a little bit of a there's some kind of societal uh, sense of transgression here, and so they're keeping it all on on the down low. That's interesting. So I'm looking back through these uh, texts. Um, so you've got the. I just happen to have some paperwork <laughs> documents on my table. <laughs> That's right. I'm just going to sight read them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So there's this poppy harvest I'm seeing here um, in the New Kingdom. Um, and then there's something about what period is that in Egypt having to do with priests and magicians and religious rituals. Um, and then there's the Mesopotamian stuff. Um, oh, I like this one. Assyrian text mentioning collecting poppy juice in the morning by scraping the poppy capsule with an iron scoop and putting it um, in clay vessels. Right. That was very specific. Yeah, and now we need to start looking for these iron scoops. Yeah, yeah. And what kind of clay vessels? <laughs> well, well how we know. <laughs> let's go back to, um, to the Egyptians and the priests <clears throat> and, excuse me, the ritual, the ritual uses. Yeah. As as we know from from many places, priests are getting getting pretty wasted, <laughs> uh, and that this is uh, this is part of the this is part of the process of of ritual okay. immersement. Maybe right. this is a shift from the late Bronze Age priestly opium use to the Iron Age marijuana use, mm. Mm, which we've already talked about previously. Exactly. So maybe. Right. <clears throat> Opium as opium as an unlikely gateway drug. <laughs> <laughs> Things went in reverse in the past. <laughs> the gateway is different. Opium is coming in from the west, and cannabis is coming in from the east. Mm, mm. And and the southern Levant is the shatter zone. <laughs> the, the southern Levant is Amsterdam in the wire <laughs> season, whatever. Right, and it's and the year is like 1973, and. Yeah. Uh, Everybody's sorting this out. Right. And then somebody has the idea, well, let's, we could just do all this in 20, we could do all this writing in 26 figures instead <laughs> of. <laughs> all right. So I want to just come back to two things. Yeah. Uh, one is I do think it's really important to try to, uh, to try to think about why opium is uh, being um, stashed in uh, burials. 
Right. That, I want to come back to seems, that, too. that seems like you're taking a very valuable commodity, expensive commodity out of circulation, right. which is antithetical to the sort of economic principles that uh, greed and avarice uh, are part of. Although and, that's what you do in Barrett. Okay, but that's the easy part to answer is that, uh, you know, you show you show respect for the dead by taking wealth out of circulation. Yeah, but yeah. Didn't no. we talk about uh, human sacrifice and wealth? And yeah, taking... but not, not something that everyone's going to really want to, you know, partake of and well, you know, back with. Not yeah. the dope, man. And secondly... Why is opium the only product that is being advertised in terms of ceramic form? That is a good mm. That's a very That's a good, good point. Question. I right. mean, you know, if that, if that was a thing, like, oh, this is opium and we have, we've made this base ring <clears throat> vessel to um, advertise it. Why aren't aromatics and other kinds of things? And I can't think of, any kind of precise analog, you know, example. Well, vanilla should be in a vanilla shape. <laughs> in a bean product. shape. Yeah. yeah. But why isn't that being used for other products? Right. No, that's that a very me, good question. Yeah. That to me is something, it's too good of an idea to only be used once. Yeah. Yeah. Um, unless it was considered very, very special um, and worth its own container when other things were considered less special um yeah that could be but then okay. again then why isn't it mentioned in text i was just going to say yeah then we should have more mentions of it. people so are not consistent i know <laughs> right Damn it. Consistency yeah. from our late bronze age mer merchants yeah producers, well, one makers. thing one thing i'll tell you from my studies of of burials of mainly the middle bronze age is that uh, as as the Middle Bronze Age progresses, and I believe this continues into the Late Bronze Age, you find burials with an increasing amount of wealth. This is uh, part of what I wrote my dissertation on a million years ago. And, uh, and so to find a lot of items uh, that signify great wealth in burials is not so surprising. Um, but that's, right, but that's like that's like gold and ivory and it's gold like and that. ivory, but it's also you know oil <clears throat> and fragrances and things like this. You find a lot more um, small, uh, not dippers, um, um, piriform and cylindrical. Yeah, but um, you don't. But the shape doesn't tell you what's in it. No, but it tells you that it was a, it, it was some sort of. It was of, a liquid. It was a liquid, and it was a precious liquid because these are small jugs, and it was expensive. It tells you that, but it doesn't tell you exactly what what there is inside right but but that you do put wealth um including you know expensive meats and things like this into burials um on the other hand uh everything in your burial goes towards use in the afterlife you That's know it? eating How yeah do you know that? oh because i said so 35 <laughs> years ago <laughs> okay no it does it, okay it's a, nice, a theory we know that it we know that in egypt we know, because right, they, we know they that say Egypt. that. Yes, right. exactly. We know that in certain circumstances, but if we don't have texts. There's a lot of scholarship on feeding the dead, both both on a well, sort of annual basis. No, but that, that whole that whole formulation, feeding the dead, that's you don't know whether you're feeding the dead, whether you're feeding the party before the burial. <clears throat> um it's a it's it's a whole series of assumptions and well, you're feeding the, you, you know are definitely happens. feeding the dead. You're also having a, what? <laughs> you know what happens when you assume. <laughs> when you make those assumptions. <laughs> all right. You've all seen The Odd Couple. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. Okay. So you're, you're having a ritual before the burial. That is also, I think, assumed. But then you are also putting these things that the dead need into their tomb. They need it to get um, from, you know, from point A to point B or to survive in the beginning of their afterlife. It's all unclear, right? But they're, uh, but I, I think that's important to at least consider. So are they needing hallucinogenics to get from point A to point B in the afterlife? That's my question. Well, they couldn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I he mean, make, you know, he makes a good point. I mean, you want to just, just for safety's sake. I'll go back to sleep now. <laughs> we, have, we haven't actually solved. We've asked a lot of interesting questions, but we haven't actually answered any questions. Un unlike the previous <laughs> four <laughs> dozen <laughs> podcasts <laughs> right. where we wrap everything up in a neat little bow. I think right. you need a different group of people if you want answers. Right. Final yeah. thoughts? Smoke them if you got them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't have any final thoughts. <laughs> well, I think we really evinced all the possible reactions <laughs> to a post-opium festivity at the burial of a loved one. Right. I'd be curious to try it. Not at the <laughs> not at the burial of a loved one. Let me hasten to add. I think I think well, and that's a whole thing, you know. Me, if you did that today, if you're smoking opium at at a family member's burial. <laughs> How would that go over? Yeah, oh, but they're probably not smoking it if it's or you know form. quaffing it in right. some diet. Right. Well, we haven't even gotten into how they're ingesting it. We oh, have. Well, that's another area where we really have no information. We've in our second hour. Yeah, maybe you should clarify, Alex, that you would never ever try that. You would never try to, you know. I'd be curious, but I. But you would never. <laughs> I would never ever. This is, this is a PG-rated show. It's a family-rated podcast, right? Yeah. All right. All right. Well. All right. Report back. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to stop. Well, we seem to have smacked that topic around pretty effectively. So we'd like to thank Erez Dessel, Community Engagement Coordinator for the Chicago Philharmonic, for our theme music. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, the Dumont Television Network, presenting a special showing of The Man with the Golden Arm tonight at 10. Parental discretion is advised. To get in touch, leave us a comment, or send us an email at thisweekintheancientneareast, it's all one word, at gmail.com, or send us a postcard at P.O. Box 1177, Boston, Mass., 02134.